On tonight's episode of the Superhero Show Show, we'll find out if the Hargreaves will finally all get in the same room, if Smallville is a daddy show in the same way Arrow and S.H.I.E.L.D. are, and who will be christened as the best supporting actor of the year. All of that and more on the all-new Superhero Show Show. What's up, nerds? Welcome to the Superhero Show Show, the only show on the internet where we review every live-action television show based on a comic book or a comic book property. My name is Cassie, and I will be the host of this episode, and my job as host is to simply guide us through all of these comic book TV shows and make sure we don't get lost. The hardest part of that is trying to rein in and keep my two other unruly hosts on task, so I may as well introduce them because they've been patiently waiting for at least 20 seconds, which is probably a new record. So here with me, as always, is my good friend, Mike. It's so obvious you did not prepare an intro for today, and then you were mad we didn't do what we've always done, which is just start screaming because you haven't introduced us. Yeah. It was real passive-aggressive. We were trying to be polite for once. I was proud of you, like I would give you a gold sticker, but I didn't realize that I was going to miss it. Like, it, it just like when you come home and the puppies are jumping at your feet, like I kind of miss that feeling. I feel like you guys weren't excited to be here. What shape is this gold sticker? Oh, it's a, it's the happy face one, that classic sparkly happy all right, face All right, all right. That's all right. That's cool. All right, as long as it's acceptable. And I also have my good friend, Ryan. Mike, did you want a star or did you want like yeah, a what menorah? Was, like a did nebula. You, did you want Michael Jordan, Jumpman? Yes, Jumpman, Jumpman. Uh, maybe one of those stickers that's like a crazy shape but is actually like 10 stickers together that's very hard to get right. I should point out that although Mike and I are fucking gentlemen right now and being on our best behavior, uh, we talked just before the show started about doing this. We came up with this plan, and the only way to do it was for us to not just hold hands, but to squeeze each other's hands as hard as possible. And mm-hmm. uh, it's two broken hands. Like, yes, bones are popping, and I can't tell whose. They are shattered. Yeah. Uh, one of my bones went into Mike's hand and is repairing a finger of his that I broke. It's insanity right now. And I hope you're happy, Cassie. I hope this is the mannerly, gentlemanly show that you wanted. Mm-hmm. It feels so much better, you guys. I think it's really going to turn things around for us. So if you can just like tape up those little fingies for next recording, I think we got this. Do you guys ever meet those people who really do go into the handshake of like everyone wants a everyone wants uh, everyone hates a weak handshake? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fucking punish the person. Not in years. The last person I can remember doing it, I was in second grade and <laughs> met the father of a classmate. And because me and her were buddies, he did that to me. And even then, I was like, I'm 10. <laughs> like, I knew then how fucked up this guy and how not actually cool and manly he was. Uh, Cassie, let me jump on this before you do. Point of the story is that when you're in second grade, you are seven, and Mike was 10. <laughs> <laughs> uh, most of my handshakes are uh, they're overly limp, like that I have with other people. And mm-hmm. then we both look at each other and it's like, whose fault was that? <laughs> oh, my God. Who, who was that? But. I hope that the generation of dudes who like that are based, that think that they're Thanos and walk into every handshake is, like wanting to make the other person buckle to the ground. I hope that's over, right? Actually, I yeah. hope COVID I hope. ended handshakes entirely, right? Are we oh. ever going to do it again? I'm into bowing. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Just a respectful bow. That's awesome. 
that's super cool because it was like you know people are trying to do like high fives or elbow fives now and that's just like there's no good way for that to go so i am i like the bowing technique for yeah sure. you clench your fist you pound it once on your chest and then you bow my oh, big thing gonna... my big thing recently has been um jump kicking really high and then uh me and the person touch feet together but it's been so hard to find somebody who can jump kick as hard and as high mm-hmm. as i can yeah I'm you so need sorry. to find the crouching tiger to your hidden dragon. Exactly. Exactly. How many times have you made a fool of yourself and just kicked the person in the face, Ryan? Uh, with my perfect jump kicks? Uh, it happens yeah. a lot because they don't know how to do it. Yeah. Also, Ryan's not the fool in that scenario. The person who just stood there with their mouth agape, they're the fool. Well, there's two types of people. One that changes handshakes into jump kicks and the uh, other type of person who wants to do bowing instead. And those two things don't work out. <laughs> that is just a, that's a shoot to the face every time. In the before times, I would because some people fist bump, some people handshake. Uh, whatever I start out with, I'm not changing at that point. So uh-huh. I have mm-hmm. ball and socketed so many fist bumps. For sure. Fuck them. <laughs> and it's important not just to keep on the path that you were on, but then when they don't do that thing, look around and be like this idiot before they look around yeah. and be like this idiot to you. And then you fart, but then you point at them and do P.U. <laughs> And everybody thinks they farted. I thought you were going to say, uh, then you fart, and then you look around like, this guy's not even greet farting. <laughs> I had I, I had my greet fart ready, and this guy is not, uh, being rude to me by not farting when he meets me. You guys, every once in a while we talk about how we have no friends, and it's moments like these where I think it becomes abundantly clear why. Like, I think we get to it almost every episode. Oh, uh, the only reason that the three of us are still doing this is because if the three of us part from each other, we will be alone for the rest of our lives. We have to stay together, guys. Just screaming, where are the greet farts? <laughs> well, you guys, speaking of a group of people that only have a few group of friends, a.k.a. their family, we will be talking about the Umbrella Academy as the main event. But up before that, a quick stop at the bullpen. guys welcome back to the bullpen this week we are going back to an old classic a perfect tv show mike what are we doing this week this week like we have in the past we've visited the incredible hulk we've wandered with wonder woman and now we're gonna check in on that two early 2000s soap opera smallville a show i loved and watched most of and you guys had never seen before are you pausing for applause like what do you want us to do there (laughs) from the audience not from you okay Smallville kicked off in the fall of 2001 on the WB and then continued for 10 seasons and a channel switch. Created by Alfred Goh and Miles Millar, who decided on the rule no flights, no tights, so Smallville could focus on Clark's journey before he became Superman on a WB budget. Following in the footsteps of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the show used sci-fi events as allegories for adolescence. Clark, played by Tom Welling, discovers who and what he is and his intertwined fate with Lex Luthor, played by Michael Rosenbaum. In its 10 seasons, it grew to include the mythology and actors from throughout Superman's entire history, including Lois Lane, Bizarro, Zod, and the Justice League. Taste buds, I ask you this. A lot of folks say Superman is a boring character. How does Smallville make the argument for his humanity and that he's more than a one-note powerhouse? I, uh, when I first started reading comic books, uh, when I was a kid, I was Marvel all the way and a big Superman hater. Uh, I've grown to like Superman, or I guess like Clark Kent, and like what it's like to deal with all that shit. Um, If I watched this back then, I probably would have been that same pissy person. But instead, I watched it now after watching 
years and years of the Flash and Arrow, and I don't know, man, like uh, pulling the power away from this character as much as possible and just having him be like a big, dumb, responsible hunk mm-hmm. who, like, it fucking... The worst thing in the world is to be born handsome and powerful and then also have, like, morals and then have to deal with them. I I wanted to come into this today, Mike, being like, this is stupid. You're stupid. This is bullshit. <laughs> I can't believe how – it wasn't great and it wasn't terrible. It was just so exactly, perfectly what it is and what it should be. It was so well done. I could not believe how much I got into this. Yeah. It was genuinely super surprising. I think the part that really brought me in, it was like, I've never really been interested in Superman. I think it just, there was just so many like takes on Superman, so many tries to make it work. And I was like, I just like, I'm gonna drop them all. So I never tried it. But like this character, they made him so unnecessarily angsty yet perfectly angsty, like as that teen angst. But it's just like, he doesn't know like where he's from or anything. And that's like that pop punk scene. Like he just needs to escape that town. And I fucking love what they've done with that. (laughs) I mean, like, Bruce Wayne and the Joker, they have teen angst as full-grown adults. Like, that's what DC does is, like, mm-hmm. oh, they're so sad and mad. Uh, Superman gets over it as an adult, and maybe that's when he becomes boring. But as a teen, he has perfect teen angst, and I want to watch it. And mm-hmm. I, I want to I watch, like, uh, Superman versus his dad and mm-hmm. uh, Superman versus his balls. And just, like, <laughs> I, there's... I, in the first season, the, uh, there's a lot of stuff that was, like, sort of boring and unnecessary. Like, I'm not yet sure why there's a Chloe, and I'm definitely not sure why there's a, uh, is it a, a Patrick? Pete. Pete. Um, but Superman versus Dad, Superman versus his home planet, Superman versus Lana, Superman versus Lex. And not punching Lex, but just, like, the two watching the two of them try to, like, be themselves, but also one up, but not one up. That's... So much more interesting than like, oh, there's an alien. Let's shoot the alien. And th- that's what I think the show does so well is that allegorical shit is because it Clark Kent's biggest curse is being raised by Jonathan and Martha because it is their imposed morals that he believes in. He, he's not like, oh, no, is like that. He could be he could be cool as shit. He could like be popular and famous, except that he has this like corn pone morality that is just built into him now, and that makes life so much harder. And, and he's him- bummed because what they did is they made him boring. And our favorite Superman stories are like Red Sun, where they right. were like, "What if, what if he wasn't boring?" Or uh, you know, uh, later on, there's a Red Krypton where Superman's not boring. But everybody starts with the thing of like, "All right, Superman is boring," and this is this is great because it's like, no, for sure, his parents put in a lot of work to make him boring. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that so weird and hard? Yeah, we, we don't get a lot of teen stories, and he is he's not a nerd, but he's a fucking dork because he is just like a goody two shoes. And his the, the the pilot the the biggest uh, task is he wants to try out for football, and his dad says no. It doesn't matter that he has superpowers. A lot of people can relate to that. There's different reasons your dad might say no. Either uh, football players hung the dad up in the field right before homecoming because he is very. Uh, What's that thing where your head gets real hurt? Concussed. That football. Concussed. Uh, sorry, I was playing football yesterday. Can't remember. Um, Why so, were like, you that... playing high school football, though? <laughs> and then, well, I just wanted to win for once. And uh, his friendship with Lex is so interesting because it is like 
this darker power suit wearing older friend that a lot of people get. It doesn't matter like that Lex happens to be a billionaire, but it is this new bad influence, maybe bad influence, or does Lex become a bad influence because Jonathan treats Lex exactly right. the way Lex has been treated his whole life? That's so important is that uh, Jonathan, or I'm sorry, uh, Clark sees Lex as like different, but nice mm-hmm. and cool. You want to give me a truck? That's super nice of you, dude. Like, I, I, I didn't save your life for that, but thank you. And Jonathan is so moral. Like, he's so like, no matter what happens, like, should I have more sugar in my coffee? Would Jesus do that? That I. Uh, <laughs> That makes life better? No. <laughs> Lex is punk rock, not because he's, you know, mean or, uh, you know, like anti-traditional, but just somebody who just does things different than Jonathan does. Right. And and a huge part of it, and this is why I, I, I do think the core relationships are Clark and Jonathan and Clark and Lex throughout the 10 seasons, is so Clark and Lex meet because Lex is texting and driving and hits Clark and goes off a bridge. So in tw- 2001, they were already warning us about texting and driving. And Clark saves him. And he's Clark like, and saves him. in in a very like prescient take where Kevin Costner tells Zack Snyder, Superman, never use your powers, let people die. Jonathan kind of has the same response. And Clark's like, dad, he didn't see me. It's fine. And Jonathan, the reason Jonathan says, turn down the truck, Lex gets you. He's like, well, I did save him. He's like, so you want a fucking cookie? He doesn't say that because Jonathan would never say fucking. <laughs> but that's his response is like, just or do the cookie. right thing and take no rewards. Even cookie is too godless for Jonathan. <laughs> like, <laughs> Do you want a sugar-free biscuit for what you've done? So, so uh, we've talked a lot so far. Cassie, what did you – you got hooked in. You got sucked into the show. What's doing it for you? I think it was – it's just kind of that perfect level of cheesiness. And it was like – I've talked about like nothing is what I've expected of it. Like I, can't, I keep waiting for the moment where Lex clearly becomes like a bad guy. But like there is no moment where he's like so far where he's like truly awful or anything. It is just like a different viewpoint and stuff. So it's just nothing what I expected. And it's like prime 2000 visual effects and just like the writing. Everything is absurd. He needed a permission slip to play baseball. Like it's all beautiful. And uh, the the graphics, although are like the first 10 minutes of the pilot are is a ton of things from Krypton hitting the planet, including Clark, baby Clark's spaceship. And I never considered for a second that like there was a lot of shit that fell. It wasn't just the spaceship. There's a lot of meteors, including uh, the one that made Lana Lang an orphan more hardcore than any. Like her parents fucking died. Like three year old Lana watched her very happy waving parents incinerate. <laughs> and that's some of the, like pi- pilots have a lot to do. And what I did not remember this pilot doing is. Superman doesn't show up for those first 10, 15 minutes. They just let you get to know this town. Here's what this small town is like. Set up relationships that Nell and John, Aunt, Lana's Aunt Nell and Jonathan Kent have like a past and they don't like each other. These are pretty minor characters, but they're like setting up relationships. And also what a great idea for a uh, like monster of the week, freak of the week show yeah. to uh, not only did a bunch of stuff from Krypton hit the earth, but they had uh, like there was a bunch of uh, – yeah, like shit that happened because of that, and we will teach you about one thing per week about mm-hmm. like the the reverberations of all of that happening. And then not only do we get the introduction of Freak of the Week, we also watched Clark go through the emotions of being part of it. Is especially once he finds out Lana's parents died in the meteor shower. Now it's there's emotional turbulence with the girl he's in love with. God damn, I love this show, you guys. I was so worried about going in, and I'm pumped. So for this, we watched for this week. We watched the pilot episode two seventeen. Uh, you both watched a lot more of season one, and then Ryan and I both also watched three hundred one and four hundred one. 
So let's, I want to talk into the, the freak of the week is mostly what you guys got into, right? For season one, for the first like four or five episodes. Mm. How is that format? How Smallville, uh, in the, how's it rate in the pantheon of freak of the week type shows? For me, I think it's strong. Cause like, they're just so outlandish. Like there's one where the coach can just like create fire at like the drop of a hat and he's like he uses it to just be like extra like just burn stuff down or make a dramatic effect and like that is his freaky power is just setting things on fire with his mind and i love it it's so fucking nerdy like clearly written by nerds the football (laughs) coach gets so angry that fire shoots out uh by the way dan loria the dad from the wonder years is that football coach and he has that perfect like your generation, I know what's right, and if you if you tell me that I don't, I will light you on fire. Like that's <laughs> such a boomer move right there. Um, and then the other the other two that I watched was a guy who was obsessed with Lana, and uh, also a bug. And then the, <laughs> the other one uh, was a shapeshifter who was obsessed with Lana and wanted to become her sister. And I think that's sort of important with the whole freak of the week thing is that I don't care. I don't want it. I don't need. I I know that our heroes are going to win. I don't mm-hmm. want freak of the week, but what I'm here for is uh, Clark and Lex, Clark and Jonathan, Clark and Lana, mm-hmm. and all four of those freaks of the weeks dealt with that as well and built on it. You know, yeah, they're very tight. And even in the pilot, with as much as it do, it introduces the freak of the week with uh, the the scarecrow from the night the meteor shower hit. Scarecrowing is a habit here in Smallville where the football players pick the kid they hate the most and crucify him in the middle of a cornfield while he's very cold and paint uh, paint on his chest like S for loser. And I so totally forgot about this from back then, but mm-hmm. uh, watching this, I realized how iconic it was back then of having James Marsden. What's his name? Scott Summers. Tom ben, Welling. Tom Welling. <laughs> so uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> Tom Welling on a cross like Jesus was with a big S with a big yeah. naked chest, all those muscles and an S on there. Fuck, man. If you want to get your show noticed, that mm-hmm. is what you send to the press. Yeah. Snyder did not create the Superman as Jesus. This show uses it a lot uh, in more subtle ways. But it's also what I love is so the reason he's like a doofus and a dork around Lana is she has a kryptonite necklace. And why he's weak to these football players is they put it on him. And so everything is always tied to the teenage emotional stuff. And with this first freak of the week, it sets the tone is Clark is looking at the two futures he could have. He wants to kind of be that football player. So it's either Whitney or lightning kid who hates them and he's going to kill everybody. And Clark realizes both of these paths are stupid. (laughs) I'm going to keep being corn fed. Did you guys notice the the before the meteors, Smallville is the creamed corn capital of the world, mm-hmm. and afterwards it is the meteorite the capital of the world. <laughs> they know how to rebrand and capitalize on their greatest disaster. Even though every time something weird comes up, they're like, "Oh, that's weird." Probably not because of the meteorites, but something. Uh, Cassie, can I ask you a question? Yes, Mike. Can I ask Cassie a question? You may. What is it that separates this in your mind from the Flash and from Black Lightning and from Arrow? Like our generations. I'm not going to talk about Legends of Tomorrow because that's a clearly perfect show. <laughs> but uh, our other single-led CW shows. What is it that's different about this show? I don't like it's. It doesn't fully make sense to say like the connections or like the relationships between the main character and that because that is a lot what connects all those other ones too. But it just seems to be like almost more authentic even though it's so absurd like it seems 
more true to what, like, how these people would interact. Maybe it's just the high school feel of it. Mm-hmm. We are high school friends, but I don't think it is crazy to say. I think that's absolutely it. I think that uh, in a lot of ways, Arrow and the Flash learns not the wrong lessons, but a lot of the lessons not in the best way from Smallville. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the boon of high school is one, like people never actually stop acting like they're in high school, but we roll their eyes when adults do it. But when high school kids do are stupid and hide secrets and all that shit, we're like, yeah. They're in high school. Like, we give them more benefit of the doubt. And w- because this is also the era of, like, Dawson's Creek, there is a lot of, like, kids just hanging out together. Right. Which is what we're also suckers for here on our show. I wish I wish Chloe and Pete were, like, more developed or developed as characters, not as in, like, had bigger boobs. But uh, there's a scene in the Lizzie Kaplan one, the shapeshifter one, where uh, Clark is pretty sure that she's the bad guy and also just got the power of seeing through things. And he's just standing there staring into her locker through the locker door at all the evidence. And Lizzie, Lizzie Kaplan walks up, and she's like, what are you doing, weirdo? And he doesn't say, like, back off, I'm Superman. He's like, oh, what? I'm so sorry. Oh, Jesus. Oh, God. oh, oh my God. I'll run away now. It's like they know when to uh, do, like, uh, uh, seven seconds of superhero stuff, and then, nope, that's too much. Back to high school, back to awkwardness, back to the, how these people would actually act. Even though they're all 34 in real life. <laughs> yeah, Tom Welling was 26 in the first season of this, which means he's 36 when this ends, when Clark is just a few years out of high school. I've heard a lot of people shit on this show because he's so bad. And I've heard a lot of people say that the show is great because he's so good. Where do you guys land on that, on Tom Welling's performance? I and think... Then, in- sorry, real quick, Mike, before... I also read a thing where uh, he was often found walking around the set screaming to himself, Clark Kent is so stupid. Why is he so stupid? And just like throwing tantrums about Clark Kent's decisions. And then he would have to dive in there. I think if you're one of the leads and you're Clark and you get to see the cool shit Lana and Lex go through and you just have to Clark it up, I could see that being frustrating. For Tom, you mean? Yeah. Cassie, where, where do you land on the, is Tom Welling so good, he's good, or so bad, he's bad? I was on the, so good, he's good, because, like, he, I don't know if it's, like, the, he's the perfect amount of awkward to play off, like, you could tell he is an adult, and, like, he should, like, none of this should be affecting him, but he's just so awkward, somehow. He's got this natural awkwardness to him. And I think it's because the character can fly, can <laughs> run through halls at a rapid rate, um, but when like a moral or ethical conundrum is presented in front of him, he just he just stands there. He's like, oh, and he's like, what would Jonathan do? What would Jor-El do? What would uh, Clark do right now? And it's really hard for him. And it, it it's not that he's dumb. He's just overly thoughtful. And I think that is a mm-hmm. very interesting character trait that I've never thought about before. Especially not in superheroes. Our superheroes all run in and burn things down before. Because yeah, all- they weren't raised well. Ollie is just constantly black and white. Here's what I should do, no matter what. And there's no thought. But Tom Welling or Clark is just always like, "Oh, fuck!" <laughs> it's it's the problem of having like four dads and three devils and four angels on your shoulder. And he's that that is his big thing. Is like mm-hmm. that is what is dragging him down to earth. And that's that's why I think this captures the heart of Superman in way so many other adaptations and let's keep kicking Snyder do not is because it's interesting to watch him go through that where Snyder's goes, I will deny my humanity in a boring way 
and then I will become a god in a boring way. Right. Which is like what makes Clark Kent interesting is Clark fucking Kent. Like that's how you make Superman interesting is make him have those very, very human grounded moments. That's so weird because if I had two options, I would do them in the not boring way. Why would he <laughs> <laughs> why would he just choose boring? It's crazy. Uh I think in the, I think like we've said with Chloe Bennett, we learned to watch her act because we've been popping through different seasons. We ended with season four, at least Ryan and I did for Smallville. You learned to watch Tom Welling act. The pilot, he is his timing is the worst of anybody's. And by the end, especially, I think it's season. There, th- there was a scene in the pilot three. where he he said something, and it was from three scenes before that. Like Tom Welling, <laughs> what are we doing here? Dude? A little slow, but by the time he's like uh, episode three hundred one is when he's red kryptonite induced. Yeah. And so it's like kids get into drugs. Sometimes they run to the big city. Uh, him, one, I think he's having a lot of fun not playing normal goody two-shoes Clark. But he is charming and good. And you're like, oh, you've relaxed into the role. I I would say that episodes 102 through 105 or 4 or whatever I watched made me really appreciate Tom Holly's performance. I would say that his red kryptonite <laughs> villain turn yeah, made me not appreciate his performance. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple like- of times... Evil yeah, he Spider-Man. would look in the mirror and be like, oh, I'm a bad guy. Or, yeah, uh, put his bangs down and then do yeah. the villain dance through the street. The, the hair is much shaggier. Did did all the Superman, um, like, cookies, Easter, what it, cookies, Easter eggs. Did all the Superman Easter eggs throughout, like, he Easter runs cookies. in the phone booth in that episode. Uh, there's, there's, like, swells of John Williams. Like, there's little things. Like, in the pilot, we see hints of the Green Arrow and Flash. Were you guys like pumped for that or don't care or? I would say, I think I've thought this for a while, but the show definitely made me rethink this, that the greatest piece of music of all time is bum, ba, da, da, da. And if I hear that in the show, like I will get the chills. Um, I think it became clear watching the show that uh, they really appreciate all filmed footage of Superman. Mm-hmm. Not in real life, like Sasquatch. I mean, like, uh, all fictional and do not give a shit about what comic book readers expect. And so right. I watched an episode where Christopher Reeve was there. and that was Yeah, it's episode 217. And then uh, I got to meet, and I don't know if I'm going too far ahead, Mike, but uh, I got to meet, meet Lois Lane. And then Margot Kidder was also in that episode. And I feel like mm-hmm. they're all about Superman film stuff, the stuff that... Right. You should care about. And then if it comes to comic books, like, oh, is this not Lex Luthor's origin? I don't give a fuck, motherfucker. Even even Martha Kent is Lana Lang from the Christopher Reeves movies. Like, they, they pull them in, and there's so much wrapped in, in all the episodes we watch, about fate and destiny. And I think with them, it's all, you always have to end up one way, and they're using the history and knowledge of Superman to point to that. I'm sorry, Superman's mom's name is Martha? Yeah. I had no idea. You didn't know that? Why doesn't anybody tell me these things? I... At some point, somebody's going to scream it in your face. <laughs> the other thing I want to talk to Cassie about is because she was born five years after the show went off the air, which is, I think, 2017. Mm-hmm. I, the datedness. I, I was never offended by the datedness and a lot of times loved the datedness. Cassie, did you see a lot of times where you just rolled your eyes? No, I think, and it might be just, like, how terrible the times are right now. It just, like, it made me so nostalgic for back then. I was like, God, I would give anything to go back to that time of me not being born, specifically, because 2007. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I had no problem with it. I, it made me love it more. It was a time where uh, a white guy with, like, a scrappy beard could have a 
like barely an issue not really an issue but barely and write a hit song and then just be on this show like the amount of <laughs> uh mid aughts butt rock the amount of alien ant farm yeah. on this show yeah. I, I could not get enough of oh that's what you know uh, clark is bad now not only because he has shaggy hair and he's dancing down the street but good charlotte that's the bad boy group <laughs> he's now listening to good charlotte yeah, Which I think that in real life, that's the case for real life villains. If they're listening to Good Charlotte, you should yeah, probably kill them. I heard uh, the song, which I'm partial to, but probably not anybody who is living a normal life. Uh, Calling all angels. God damn, <laughs> is that the mid-aught? All yeah. right there. How, how did the, uh, the, the theme song hit you? Because in the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, it was a big deal when they showed up to the Kent farm before Tom Welling and Lois Lane showed up because Erica Durrance is her real name. Uh, they played Remy Zero's Somebody Save Me, and all of us fans were like, oh my god, it's been so long since I've heard this song. Uh, what do you guys feel about the theme song? And what was Remy Zero's other? Did they have another one? No. Oh, this is it? <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would call this a hit. I... Uh, uh- it is of its era. It's just this uh, this one singer thinking he's rocking out and almost barely hitting all the notes that he wants to. <laughs> like it was perfect. Yeah, it just felt like it matched perfectly. There is a uh, like all teen dramas of this era. Uh, I think Roswell. They were getting chased by aliens and stopped to watch Dido because she did the theme song on their show. And so there's a. I don't know what season, but Remy Zero comes to town and Pete Clark's best friend acts like they are the biggest fucking band of the world is just screaming. And that's the, the hardest this actor has ever acts. Cause you can tell in his voice, he's like, I don't give a shit about this band. <laughs> that is one thing I noticed is that the, uh, the editors and the music supervisors or whatever made it definitely fully from the mid aughts, but the characters didn't like, this was not a Kevin Smith or, uh, mm-hmm. Kevin who's the guy who wrote screen James, Kevin Williamson. Kevin Williamson or Kevin James, uh, King of Queens situation where they're constantly like, hey, did you notice this 05 thing? Because I've noticed this 05 thing. I, I would have loved if they were like, I can't go tonight because the Vertical Horizon show is tonight. <laughs> I have to go to that. Yeah, they're pretty timeless character types. They, they, they're not all into modern things. And I think that's part of what saves it. Somebody saves it yeah. from being this other stuff is that like it's... Uh, it's just it, it it doesn't date itself as much as I thought it would, and it's mm-hmm. not as self serious as Arrow and even the Flash, which was supposed to be the opposite of Arrow. Right. Does yeah, Flash just went well. We'll be weepier than Arrow. That'll help differentiate us. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a good old time. Uh, I think we're way over. Uh, are you guys pumped to watch this show next week? I'm not we're watching more. I'm not because I'm not going to watch that. I'm gonna. I watched 104, I'm going to watch 105, and we'll see if I get to the back half of the series. <laughs> yeah, so the, so the plan was to watch a few from the first half of the season, uh, one through four, and then and next week watch stuff from like six through ten. Do I, you guys want to do that in like a year so you just have time to watch this like a real show? No, no, yeah. we'll do it like we have it, <laughs> and then at some point we'll do the entire first season. I have a couple more questions, guys. Uh, Clark finds out that his dad... Uh, was like, oh no, go down to this world and fucking take over it. Yeah, I've never heard that before. That was interesting. It's uh, and Terrence Stamp, who plays his dad, uh, was Zod in the Christopher Reeve movies. So they cast the main villain to be Clark's dad. And yeah, Clark has to wrestle. Should I be the Invincible before Invincible Man? It's should I actually take over this world? And the other thing, Cassie, is uh, the only thing I've ever heard about the show is no tights, no flights. I don't know if you were missing that from what you saw. Did you wish that you saw tights or flights? 
I mean, he like hovered a bit. The flights I was like looking forward to. The tights like I could, they gave him sh- they had him shirtless for so long. That's all I really needed. So it's fine. I'm all right. No shirts, no skirts. Uh, but I watched uh, the premiere of season four, and Lex is in a plane, and Clark flies right up there. So there are flights, Mike. <laughs> this show is a lying son of a bitch. The show is a lie, but that's uh, Clark does explain later in that episode that. Uh Kal-El, because he was fully Kal-El at that point, his alien self, he doesn't remember anything. Kal-El can fly, Clark cannot. Ah, um, I But see. I forgot that because the, the big thing about the series finale is he finally fucking flies and people freaked out about it. But Oh, I cool. I can't wait that, to watch the fucking back half of the series that's now been ruined. Thank you for that. I'm sorry to ruin a 10-year-old show for you. Uh, <laughs> but the... Yeah, I, for, I forgot that this happened, but it's they get one of the best things about depowering him is you can also it's not just character drama. Every couple seasons you add a new power in, and nerds are like, "Oh shit!" Now he can X-ray. The thing, the thing about the flights though, too, that episode four hundred one did is his mom was standing right next to him, and Superman mm-hmm. can't just like jump in the air and fly away. It's a fucking sonic boom that launched his mom <laughs> yes. accidentally across the farm. Man, can't wait to catch up with that. You guys, we are over time, though, so that is, we will save the rest of the Smallville talk for next week, and coming up next, it's time to give away some awards. Welcome back, everyone. It is time for Shushy Season again. Ryan, what award are we giving away today? We're doing Best Supporting Actor, and I guess because of the nature of TV, or maybe specifically superhero TV, it's basically the same nominees year in, year out. But last year for Supporting Actor, we uh, Alan Tudyk won for Doom Patrol. Not on this season. Pop Filter Hall of Famer, Alan Tudyk, by the way. And the other nominees were uh, Fitz, Wilson Fisk, Doc Holliday, and Robbie. None of them are nominated. Did all those shows like go away? Or do you think that like supporting performances is just it's too much of a jumble? Most of those went away. And Fitz was barely in his show. And that one should have never happened. William Fisk, you said, got one? That's because I'm here yeah. now. Yeah, that's because I'm here yeah. now. So I shut. That She's one shaking down. her head at one of the best performances <laughs> in the entire run of superhero shows. That was show. a terrible, terrible choice on your guys's part. So I, I guess we've answered that. Like one. quality, Cassie. I think she's admitting that <laughs> she's single-handedly responsible for canceling Daredevil. Oh my God! Yeah. Did you guys hear the news yesterday? What? Should we talk about this now? Yes. That's obviously the part. <laughs> Netflix was like quarantine's rough. Uh, two series that we had renewed were now going to cancel, and one of those is I am not okay with this. It's so really? it's so devastating. We are not going to see what happened in that borderline prequel of a first season. But they renewed Warrior Nun. Yes, they did. <laughs> yes, they did. I love the amount of disbelief and how you had to break down Warrior Nun into like five different syllables. But it's a way cheaper show to make. I'm, that's it's all absurd. Yeah. Your first nominee is uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen from Watchmen. This is uh, husband slash Dr. Manhattan. Can we say that now? Husband Manhattan. Husband Manhattan. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, he is great. I think we're going to see this actor continue to do more and more stuff. When he is given very little, he does so much with it without, like, chewing scenery. And he crushed his supportive husband, and he made Dr. Manhattan human. Yeah. And he was just so good. Like you said, he crushed at both, but we didn't get a whole lot of Dr. Manhattan. So now we have like, we've got what he killed it at for so long and then a whole nother part of him to look forward to. Uh, the reason that I'm not rooting for him is in the non-Dr. Manhattan part where he was just uh, a husband. Um, I can never be that 
good of a husband, guys. Like he was so supportive <laughs> and there for his wife. It was hard to watch. And you refuse to fuck in closets. Uh, yes, that is true. <laughs> the next one is Matt Bomer from Doom Patrol, and this is a weird one because Matt B- Bomer does a lot of the voice acting, but not a lot of the real acting, but definitely a lot of the heavy lifting of the drama of the show, right? Yeah, could they share? Could the mime yeah. and Matt share this award? I'm gonna look that up. Yeah, because <laughs> it only seems right. Because like that's part of it that sells it so hard is like you know he has nothing to work off of. You get no facial expressions. It is just body movements and like what he delivers in his voice. So it's got to be it's got to be a combo. It's a one two punch. Yeah, but both of them are doing so well with not being able to actually see a face and just like there's little moments that Larry does physically that that add to his sadness and despair and then yeah matt bomer it's crazy to take the most handsome man alive cast him on your show and say nobody will ever see you uh and he he does really well with that uh hey hollywood i'm available if you're never gonna see my face you do not have to pay matt bomer prizes (laughs) i can get nominated for this award your next award or your next nominee is lewis gossett jr from the tv show watchmen who this is, is the old person in the wheelchair who kills Don Johnson, maybe, mm. mm-hmm. and yes. is uh, Regina King's grandfather, father. Yeah, I can't remember. You know, it's just exciting to see like old people get out there and do things, and especially <laughs> like he could remember his lines. He did it, you guys. Like you just got to give him out there. He did it. Cassie's making it sound like he didn't do a great he job. Did do a really he great was job. phenomenal. He really was. But also, also he did. He did not remember to, all his lines. Not to fucking hitch a wagon to Cassie's cart, because that was awful, but uh he's a very old man whose name is Lewis Gossett Jr. That's adorable, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Little Louie. Little Louie. All right, I'm gonna move on. But yeah, Cassie talked about him like he was an elementary school theater production. <laughs> He did act his ass off. It was very good. It's just like there's so many good actors in Watchmen, but this one was old and he did it. <laughs> oh, my Christ. Uh, good thing they don't know about how to listen to podcasts. Uh, Cal, was that uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen's name? Cal? Yeah. Okay. So Cal, uh, it didn't seem like he had a secret, right? The whole show. And then it turned out that he did. He's Dodger Manhattan. And so he got to perform like that. Lewis Gossett Jr., however, had a secret the whole time and had to keep us interested. And it wasn't just the one. It was like seven. I don't know. Uh, I think this is more than just a, hey, old person, here's a nominee. Yeah. <laughs> no, I think he did so much. He was like threatening at times without getting out of his wheelchair or raising his voice. Like He just owned the screen and owned whatever room he was in. Your next nominee is from Watchmen. I guess this is the time where uh, Watchmen takes it down. It's Tim Blake Nelson. Yeah, this is my boy. He's when I can remember his name. This is Silver Face Cop. Uh, Foil Man. Foil Man. Baked Potato Man. To everybody. So, Mike, what did he do then? What did he do? He did what he always does. Uh, Which I'm sorry. Hold on, real quick, Mike. Time out. Uh, What I'm going to do is I'm going to say a nominee, and then you and maybe Cassie. Uh, discuss why they were nominated and not just sit there and say, like, shiny face man, yeah, what up? What up, people? Shiny face man. You know, like, d- like pretend okay. that you're on a podcast, Fine. Mike. Like, this is your fucking, is this your first fucking time? Jesus, dude. I'll take my demerits, Cassie, you talk. <laughs> well, I mean, he gave the proper amount of pause because, you know, everybody was immediately 
clapping once they heard Shiny Face Man because they all loved his performance. I don't uh-huh. know what it was. Like, he just, um, I, the paranoia aspect, like, he, there was, like, he was intense with every moment. He gave away so much with being, like, blank-faced when he was just, like, you know, he uses his power. He kind of just sits there, but is also very intimidating. And then also, like, you see his real life and, like, how truly paranoid he is. He just, like, covered every aspect of his, like, story. Yeah, what, what TBN does so well is makes humor. That is a good comeback from silence. Is to come in with initials. Sorry, keep going. <laughs> is uh, makes humor and despair. And so many people love Rorschach because they kind of miss the point of how fucking stupid Rorschach and Batman are in the original Watchmen. And he was this era's version of it, but sanded down a lot. Um, this is a better dude who tries, but is still not as good of a cop as he could be because he still buys into that kind of cowboy bullshit. Yeah, I mean, one aspect of Rorschach that was just one of Rorschach's aspects, but, like, the one that, like, uh, Foil Man really focused on is uh, you find out that everything you believed is wrong. Now mm-hmm. what? And watching that face of, like, I don't I don't know what to do. Uh, now I have to, like, quickly figure out what is right and what is wrong with this new knowledge. Um, and then di- uh, he had the classic prestige TV thing of He's a part of every episode, but then got his own. And mm-hmm. the one that he had was one of the better ones. Your final nominee is not from Watchmen. Sorry, guys. Only three of the oh, five and not four of the five. It is Nick Zano from Legends of Tomorrow. And before you guys go, <laughs> I want to point out that, Cassie, before you took over this show, there was a time where Nick Zano was an acting punching bag. Uh, a lot of it was from uh, the person who you took over for. Um but I would say that Nick Zano has blossomed from Penny's boyfriend from Happy Endings to uh, worst person on Legends to quite possibly shushy award winner. Is this the greatest <laughs> arc in acting history? Yes, nobody's art better. It's it's because he gets the tone of the show. Once he didn't have to be a historian, Nate, and they're just like, Nick, just be yourself, but we're going to call you Nate, okay? And he's like, what? My name's Nick. And they're like, no, I know, but your character's <laughs> playing Nate. And he's like, what? Uh, once he got to bring that energy into the character, it's just so delightful and charming and dumb and, and, and hits it. I love the theory that Nate Haywood is probably smarter than Nick Zano. And like, he has to stretch <laughs> in order to do that. It's like this is a crazy like category and competition that we have with this group of actors because this is a guy who like once he became more himself on the show and acted like less, it got better. And then we have everybody else just like hard, like true caliber actors. And then this guy who was like, I'm just going to be me on screen. Yeah, thespians versus charm. <laughs> That's the thing that like I think Cassie summed up the sort of thing I'm worried about from here on out with the shushies is that uh, all of these stupid shows that we love, we could give them all the joke awards, but. When it comes down to performance, we have all these like prestige things that are probably going to take it away. All right, the envelope, please. Uh, guys, we have Yaha Abdul-Mateen, Matt Bomer, Louis Gossett Jr., Tim Blake Nelson, and Nick Zano. Where do we think we're going here? Zano, 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 <laughs> All my Zano. Your winner is... Yaha Abdul-Mateen from Watchmen. That's Cal. That's that's Dr. Manhattan. That's our shushy supporting actor. That tracks. I think he's great. I can't wait to see him in Candyman when that inevitably comes out. I can't wait to watch his career blossom. He's awesome. He's an awesome blossom. All right. Uh, <laughs> when we that's the that's the supporting actor of the year. When we come back, Cassie takes the reins. <laughs> 
With episodes four and five of the second season, we are at the halfway point for the year, and the family has officially all been in the same room at the same time. Although they are all pretty certain that the world is going to end soon, and also make multiple comments about how that's their thing, they are all dif- all of different opinions on what to do about it. So Taste Woods, I ask you this. Did the moment that all of them were in the same room deliver, or do these two episodes in general make us believe that the season has the momentum we so desperately require? Ah, I don't know. Like, I, I think that that moment of, it was like half downstairs, half upstairs, mm-hmm. that hit. But then they all ran away again, and that is sort of what they do, but like, I don't know. I, I like watching them, some of them talk, but I'm also bored at the same time. What I liked about so they all came together and were like, ooh, squealed, and then they ran in different directions in new combinations. Uh, a thing we did not get last season that I really delighted in is Vanya, Klaus, and Allison drinking together. Yeah. And, like, the, those siblings have so many different, like, bonds and forms. Of course, these would be the three who can just relax and chill together. And then we get Luther and Diego, the very serious boys. Uh, and they hang out and deal with their shit together. Let's start uh, with the first one. The, the first one of uh, Vanya, Klaus, and Allison. Before <laughs> Vanya destroyed the world, they would not have done that, right? No, because Vanya is now way more relaxed. But yeah. now, now that she's destroyed the world and then forgot about it, they're like, yeah, cool, let's see what happens. And it was pretty fun. It was pretty fun like watching them sit in chairs and spin the chairs all the way around and watch <laughs> them all go, wee! And have a, a Breakfast Club-style dance party and yeah. just like sort of talk about real things and then not talk about real things in that way where you're not saying it directly. I'm a professional movie watcher who and TV watcher who uh, watches movies and TV in the best way possible like you cannot be better than me but when all people understand the choreography of what you're supposed to do right now with no practice or talking about it that will get me every fucking i don't care (laughs) like that that means it's a perfect scene and i appreciate the world is ending let's drink and bond (laughs) (laughs) aren't we on the clock here guys that's the part, like, it should be frustrating, but it's just so exciting to see these new groups together. And specifically, like, I really enjoy seeing Vanya be, like, a part of the family for mm-hmm. once and not be pushed to the side. I think that's what's, like, it was, I was, like, annoyed at first when they, like, immediately separated, but then they gave us that scene. And I was like, all right, Umbrella Academy, you get another pass. And, I like, I, I think that the secret key to Umbrella Academy is watching all these different combinations week in, week mm-hmm. out, and getting to see what happens. But I also think there's a thing of, like, the first four episodes, I guess, of the season, they were all, where are my siblings the entire time? And, right. then, and then they met, and then they moved apart immediately. But they weren't thinking about that. They were like, oh, I don't want to hang out with all of them. I just want to make sure, <laughs> I, I want to make sure that we all know where they are, where each other is, and then do other stuff. And I think that helped these two episodes, or at least the fifth episode a lot. Right. And a, a comedy I had never thought of, but they're so self-serious that Luther and Diego, of course, would both really get along and hate each other because mm-hmm. they're they're similar in a lot of ways, but not in a lot of ways. And the thing – Diego's grown on me so much since the first season, and a thing I did not think I would buy before this episode is – Luther, so Luther's whining, doesn't want to do it at all. And he's like, since he's like, I'm quitting superheroing since the last time I destroyed the world, overestimating my own importance. And Diego, very sincerely, he's like, Luther, everybody changes the world. That's that's just what life is. And not having it be over the top and dramatic and just like really thoughtful and meaning it, it fucking worked for me. And I had not thought about that. Like, that was the point of the show. Like, almost everything that we read or watch or listen to is like, 
yeah, you're not going to change the world. Don't worry about it. Just do whatever you want. And this show just stepped up and said, no, you being alive, it changed the world forever no matter what. I was like, damn, Umbrella Academy, that's fucking, that's poignant. But it wasn't and like it, in this inspirational like CW way where it's like you all will change like it, the world and make it better. And it's like this loving thing. It's just straight up like you're here, so you're going to change it. But Yeah, just deal with it. Then I went back to like five, like trying to keep Diego in the like the crazy the house. house. Yeah, because you want to change the world and I'm going to keep you from doing that. Or the dad just like trying to control how they change the world, not letting them change the world in whatever way they're going to. We're all going to change the world. It's just like, you know, what cages are you going to let people put you in bef- uh, right. before you're allowed to do that? Five is clear. I, I can't remember what we thought about him in the first season, but he is my favorite. And if I'm a dumb chump for that, that's fine. But what this real I think teenager he's... is doing amongst all these adult actors and he feels like he's 50, it's fucking great. I think he was always everybody's uh, human favorite. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that he, no matter what, he does not change clothes. Like, there are so many no. opportunities for this fucking to change clothes, and he's constantly in this little outfit. I want to see him open up his closet, and just, it's all that. He's it's like, well, that. this is a short day. Every day is a short day. I think it's the same reason his name is still Five, that he thinks all of that stuff is stupid. Even though he obviously, like, secretly cares about his family because he's trying to find them, like, his veneer is, I don't care about your human stuff, but instead of looking schlubby, he's just going to keep wearing this uniform that was given to him. And I think yeah. we see that through uh, this season and a half that we've done of, like, uh, number five is the oldest, and he's very clearly the smartest. He'd be, he'd be the smartest if he was our same age, but he's also been through mm-hmm. all the shit, making him the wisest and the smartest, maybe. But he looks like that, so I'm not going to listen to him. Like, yes. fuck that little kid. <laughs> but it's crazy to watch him, because then there's in that scene, you know, when they're all together, and he has to tell him, like, he's like, I've watched you guys all die. Like, this is real. Like, that was mm-hmm. to have them all arguing and then have it go back to this, who we see as a kid, but who has right. seen so much shit, and be like, I seriously, I watched my family die. So can we take this seriously? And then the other kid, who's so often shifted, because it's like a funny Klaus line for him to say, no, Ben's not here, and... Ben is mad, but his very, like, sweet, I've missed all of you. Like, yeah. I didn't know Ben could do that to me. Like, I didn't know this show This show has grown so much since the first season. What about Klaus's line of, did we all get sexier since we saw each other last? <laughs> and, uh, Still even uh, works. I'm nervous because I think they did. Like, they all got, like, bigger <laughs> muscles and longer hair, which is not my thing, but I think they did. There is, so a lot of it is kind of, like you know, like, going back to their old... Um, old selves which should be frustrating so I kind of want to check in with Klaus with you guys because like for me like I know this character was always iffy and then he grew and then now he's like reverting back and now it's to this point where it's like frustrating to watch him because it's too real and you can't stop these people from going into this cycle and it's just like it's too real to watch on the screen I had like with these two episodes and I was like the biggest non-proponent of Klaus through the first season like I really thought that that character was like forced and unoriginal uh, and these two episodes, like, they threw me through a lot. Uh, he sat down and tried to give the frog and scorpion, scorpion. speech. And, like, that's sort of what we love. Um, but, but loses the point entirely in the best way. Yeah, just like, he tries to be the leader for, like, 30 seconds and just cannot do it. Um, and then, like, trying to fight for something. And, like, I am so in love with this dude. I'm going to try to keep him from going to the army and dying, even though that's going to make me look stupid and get me punched in the face. That's interesting. But then mm-hmm. in these two episodes, we also have him going to the grocery store. And 
not only do we have to revert to old Klaus, who's just like weak in a bad way, like in a poor character way, but also a severe misunderstanding of how liquor works. It was yeah. like he was drinking mushroom juice or like LSD <laughs> water. Not liquor does not do that to you guys. And not in the first second and not for so yeah, you can't hang out there and just guzzle all those bottles. You would just be hospitalized. You don't go into a uh, like a Doors video immediately. You just get uh, screamy and more racist than you ever thought you would be. So, uh, yeah, that part was lame. But I do think, like, him reverting to old Kloss, like, almost forgives the first season Kloss because now we've seen why he does that mm-hmm. is because he is trying to stop the love of his life from going to Vietnam and dying. Like, it's he just can't deal with real emotions anytime they rear up. He goes yeah. and drinks. And, and that's the part of the drinking that I do get, where he was like, I tried, I gave it yeah. some effort, therefore I'm allowed to drink as much as possible. <laughs> Not that like, I get it. I get it as a, like, fictional character. You see it. Yeah. No, 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 we got you. But that is, like, these couple of episodes had, like, a couple little, like, gut, gut punch moments like that. Like, even with Allison, who's had, like, this great relationship with her husband and we've all loved, like, now we got the scene where he thinks that, like, she is undercover working for the cops and it feels like completely betrayed and to see like that get taken away and her get taken down that path too. It was just like, Ooh, Oh boy. And the most gut punching is we saw baby Poga in pajamas sleeping. All right. Hold on one sec. Let's talk about what Cassie said before I fucking lose my mind. Uh, That, that Allison thing, I couldn't tell if it was like poor writing and like trying to shortcut shit or if it was like a comment on, no one will ever have something good in their lives that family can't take away. You know, like, you know what? <laughs> at, a, at a certain point, I have to just, like, go with my... Even, even though that I know that they suck and they're crazy and I want you to be more important than they are, I have to fall back with them and then ruin this relationship with this awesome guy who has every right to feel insecure and paranoid about what he has mm-hmm. seen. Yeah. yeah, because all she did was whisper to a cop and then the cop just ran away in the middle of the cops causing that riot. So uh, yeah. in his head, he's like, oh, you're on their side. Mm-hmm. I mean, imagine being a World War II soldier and the other soldier that you're fighting with whispers in Adolf Hitler's ear and Adolf Hitler's like, oh, okay, cool, and then runs away. You're probably going to yeah. think that like bad shit is going on right now. At that point, and I know like it's dumb to, to quibble a bit, I, I'm sorry, to quibby a, about this kind of stuff, but like, wouldn't Allison just... Why not just be like, I have this superpower, it sounds crazy, and show them to, like, save the marriage, at least. I think that's sort of my problem with the show. Like, that's yeah. how the, the fifth episode ended, right? Is that she was going to do that. But if she had done that, then we can move along quicker. But we can't move along quicker because Netflix needs ten episodes. Mm. Yeah. So there are moments like that. But then there are also baby pogo moments. So oh, right. In pajamas. <laughs> and in space. Okay, so they... Uh, Hargreaves and Human Grace, who we get to see Diego have a moment with, right? Like, yeah, because Diego, everybody was fucked up about their mom, their robot mom, and uh, Pogo dying in the last season. But Diego was like super messed up about robot mom dying. Now he just gets to stand there and like sort of stammer. And then we get to see in the past where they uh, sent this fucking perfect child baby monkey, <laughs> like. Oh my goodness! Into space, and they tortured him, and then he came back, and they saved him, and oh god, Pogo guys Pogo. injected him with something that made him smarter and come back to life. <laughs> Just to see everybody like on screen fall in love with this baby monkey, and then send him to space while we also love him was just like so hard to watch. It's the exactly what I needed. 
and it, it's interesting because Grace is attached, right? Like, mm-hmm. she's like, no, Pogo is essentially our child. And then Hargreaves is watching Grace, like, trying to learn emotion or yeah. trying to, like, because Hargreaves is like, science is science, bitch. Like, I don't care. We have a million Pogos, send them up. But then there's something about the Grace Pogo relationship that makes him think that uh, he's not the person who straight up says to Diego, uh, that's impossible that you're my kid from the future. I fucking hate children. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's such insane moments like that in these couple episodes. Yeah, Luther. So Luther, we find out, uh, it's Luther, he says, he, he shows up. The first thing he does is hop in a cab and go to his dad's house. And there's like some crazy swingers party where Hargreaves can just pontificate at these fools. And everybody's reaction to Luther is, he stinks like shit. <laughs> like he did not go to the YMCA to take a shower first. <laughs> and the partiers let him know. <laughs> I mean, there like, also- he has, his armpits are gorilla, right? Like, yeah, he yeah, smells oh, bad. Sure. 100%. Like, on this best day, he's got to have a little bit of monkey smell, so it can't be great. <laughs> but there is, like, another moment was when we had the, um, uh, oh man, where is the Bacon Girl and the, like, Time Lady? Lila. Lila. Yeah. They, uh, get one of the, uh, like, Swedish time people, you know, they, like, trap one of them. And then we could cut to the Viking funeral that they had for yeah. their yeah. fallen brother. And it's just moments like that where, like, the pacing might be a little bit off. But, like, for those Viking funeral moments, like, I got to watch the show. Yeah, I mean, like, we could talk about how, like, come on, Umbrella Academy. How do you want me to feel at any given moment? But uh, especially about these, like, new villains that I do not give a shit about. But what they do is they explode one of the brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that all three brothers are, like, essentially robots right and then they play adele in viking, viking language yeah. is it swedish nordish and they uh and adele hits hard and the way that they react hits hard and i don't know man like now am i rooting for these two remaining brothers <laughs> yeah well because we hate the handler yeah because the, 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 the music is still on point this season in this in this episodes we got the the adele swedish cover of hello right Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the ska, the ska cover five versus Lila, and that I was just so hard not to just text Ryan because it feels like designed for only us. <laughs> <laughs> we um, I do want to talk about Vanya real quick because we got her using her powers a couple of times, but this time she straight up like brought a kid back to life, which yeah. is going to take some insane power. So what do we think? Like, can she just naturally tap into this, or is there a part where she does remember? This is a little Stargirl for me. Like, Courtney has that wand or staff, and it does everything. I'm not mm-hmm. totally sure what Vanya is capable of, but uh, not only did it just, like, come out of nowhere, but I uh, I have spent, what do you guys think, two or 3,000 hours watching and reading superhero shit, and I have never seen, like, a pond lift above the ground. It was fucking cool, dude. That was awesome. And then, yeah, she didn't just bring it back to life. I think she gave away some of her power, not meaning to. Like, it was all instinct what she was doing. And the kid's eyes glowed white in a way that I went, oh, villain? No, yeah. Hero? Who's this kid going to be? Like, but I I think she maybe get, and I think Vanya should not have that much power. So maybe it'll be a good thing. But yeah, that pawn shit looked awesome. Well, I thought that it'd be awesome for Vanya to have power now because she's in love and she is mm-hmm. loved and now she's in a relationship and that's what we got in the fourth episode and then in the fifth episode we hit the early 60s uh the other yeah, woman that saying, was just morning talk yeah <laughs> uh, uh, 
I'm raising a family, and I understand how society works, and get the fuck away from me. And just watching Ellen Page's Oof. face of like, oh, I almost had it. That hurt. Yeah. yeah. And for me, it's like moments like that that I think are keeping me to Umbrella Academy, even though it's like sometimes the pacing is aggravating. But it, like for those moments, I, I'm still in. What I want to um, see is Vanya like being in the middle somewhere of like uh, probably good, but maybe bad. And then lifting the, the lake above the autistic kid and then dropping it on the husband and having him drown <laughs> and being like, this is all good, right? Like, didn't everything work out? Cause now Vanya wins. He like I think he's one of the most perfect characters in the show because he's not a villain. He's not villainous. He's just of his time and yeah. awful to watch. Like he is just Carl. disgusting to be around. He's a classic Carl. And just like he's every a- dude of that time. I can't believe his name's actually Carl. They n- nailed that so much. <laughs> Wait, guys, that is all time we have to talk about Umbrella Academy. It is on Netflix. You can watch it whenever, but we are watching it two episodes at a time, and you should join us. Coming up next is The Pull List. We are here in The Pull List, where we talk about all the other shows we watched this week. The one and only other show we watched this week is Winona Earp. Should we rank them? Should we rank them all? Yeah. Uh, Ryan, I'll let you go. How are you going to rank these? First place, last place, on this week's episode of Winona Earp, Winona is captured by Bad Badge Redux, where she hooks up with Jeremy, gets a new gun, and convinces him to come back to the team. Meanwhile, we meet Margot, the real leader of the town, and season four's Big Bad, who sicks an invisible zombie on Winona and fills hot up with bugs. Taste buds, I ask you this. Does this actually feel like the Big Bad of the season, and does she have what it takes for that very important job? I think yeah, she she's like the the hidden big bad. She she's a person who knows how to manipulate things. Uh I think that we're not gonna have one. It's also the black badge, the as Jeremy describes them, normal people just in over their heads. Like the dangers of bureaucracy. Uh it's hard to not call everything Trump these days, but it's like this is if he was more well meaning and he just truly doesn't know what he's doing but keeps trying, that is the vibe Jeremy's boss gave off. And so I think it's those two things combined will make the ERP team's life very difficult. But, I mean, Jeremy's boss is like a soccer mom who's in over her head, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm not worried about her. Like, I think that Black Badge is going to become an ally. I think that what freaks me out about this villain is that uh, instead of just being a straight-up zombie or a straight-up vampire or reaver or reaper or all the things that are in this show, she's just like, I'm a mom. I want to take care of my kids. I want my kids to be important, and I'm going to take over this town. What it reminded me of, Mike was somebody named Mags from uh, Justified Season 2. That is when Justified became the greatest show of all time, uh, where this woman uh, just sort of, like, ran the underground of Mm -hmm. this hollow, but, like, as a family. But if you crossed her, then she would destroy you. Uh, Ma'am reminds me of her. Did you see what her character's name is? Is it it Ma'am? That is what people call her. No, I don't. What is her character's name? It's Margot. This is clearly based on Margot Martindale from Justified Season 2. Because Winona Earp does definitely wear its influences on its sleeve and just lets you know. Absolutely. It is referencing Justified while talking about Fleabag the entire time. <laughs> I, and I feel like none of the writers or the actors watched Fleabag. The way they're all exasperated. Like, have you seen this Fleabag everybody's talking about? They knew there's a jumpsuit, but they probably thought, like, orange jumpsuit, yeah, like, that's... escape from a jail truck. <laughs> Much closer what Winona's wearing is that than the Fleabag infamous jumpsuit. 
But yeah, like I did feel it, and it's sort of because of the handshake that we may have talked about earlier. Like handshakes are important; you have to do them right. But when she shakes the hand of her daughter, who was like the bad guy of the last episode, Cleo, she destroys it. Like she is going to eliminate everything in her path, and that includes Hot. And this episode did nothing if not reconfirm the fact that like we need all of our Avengers to be together. Right? You know, like Jer- Jeremy missing leaves a hole. And now Hot's all fucked up. Yeah, well, but something was going on with Hot before that, that she's, like, been iffy. She'll be normal, and every once in a while she'll look off into the distance. Is this, like, year-and-a-half PTSD from fighting monsters alone? Or did she have some weird alliance with these people and did some horrible shit? So I think basically what happened is that, like, I don't know how to get Waverly back. Can you help me? And she was like, yes. And I don't know if she did, but now Hot's on the books. You know, like, Mm -hmm. she's on the ledger. And I don't know what mean like what it means when you take out a loan from a bank and then the bank says you're late on your payment. I'm going to fill you with moths. Yeah. Like, I don't know how that changes. You. I probably would laugh at the bank <laughs> as you're being filled with moths. <laughs> it's just like, oh, they're not scorpions. These tickle. Did uh, do do you buy that? Jeremy did not actually go evil. He was just like trying to do the best he can with the tools he's gotten. 100%. And I will tell you why Jeremy had to toughen up because he was, like, out of the family for 18 months. Like, they weren't there. Uh, And so he signed up with Black Badge. And yet, and this took me a while to figure out, I had to talk to my wife, uh, he named his big gun Antony, because it changes everything to guacamole. And I sat there for a second, and then she helped me realize that the food guy on Queer Eye, his name is Antony, and and he can change everything to guacamole. And I'm going to guess that Jeremy is still Jeremy, if he is saying things like that. Well, and the way he would pull... Winona under like he they they were saying her name wrong and he's like he made like a weird cover story that she was like a minor employee who never killed demons like he's trying to like they they I thought they're gonna go with the either he is evil or at least make us linger harder but like it was a delight to see him and Winona be able to re meet because he freaks out when she hugs in front of people but later they hug and then she's like oh you've been working out let's hook up and he goes I'm still gay uh-huh. but like <laughs> man Winona's just the Winoniest and I. It's it's a, it's great, yeah, uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, and I I would have loved to see that as well. Uh, but <laughs> I I I think it's one of those things where Jeremy grew up and he's less of a goofball cartoon than he used to be. Mm-hmm. But you can still definitely take advantage of him. That's what friends mean as you grow up is they're less funny, but you should still use them in every way that you can. You know? Oh shit! Oh man! Oh dang! All right. Well, Ryan, do you got a moment of the week? Yeah, my moment of the week. Uh, I'm gonna say that. All moments of the week from here on out are about um, Hot and Waverly's relationship. And uh, they're in this store like that they shouldn't be in. And they're looking around. And Waverly, uh, Hot is like, oh, I need to find a sword for Halloween costume. I'm going to be She-Ra for Halloween. And then Waverly straight up looks into the camera and says, oh, my God, I would die. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. So, Mike, what is your moment of the week? Yeah, I have two Winona ones. Uh, one is... She is annoyed that she is guarding a truck instead of doing like real hardcore demon fighting shit. And she says, You don't get Kate Blanchett and make her a background actor. You make her freaking Carol. And uh, there's no way Winona Earp, the character, would like the movie Carol. But I really liked that that line. And then her pretending, uh, Jeremy gives her the giant gun and this is Don't Press That Button. And then her pretending to hit the apocalypse button over, like, it lasted for three minutes longer than it needed to. Her pretending to hit this bunny button to make him nervous. Can we go to an. Can we go to a new segment of this podcast? Uh, 
how much does Mike hang out with Winona Earp? And Mike, uh, what is, would you say more like me? The fact that Winona refused <laughs> to stop almost hitting that red button for like eight or nine times. And we all <laughs> sat there and watched it. Or the fact that um, they kept telling her that Black Badge was defunct. And Winona said, well, you guys brought the noise. So why not bring <laughs> defunct? Yeah. Is that why I love Winona so much? It's just you, but prettier. I I think that we're equal hotness. No, <laughs> I'll let everyone else be the judge of that. Uh, Winona Earp is on Fridays on the Sci Fi Channel, and that is it, you guys. We did we made it through that entire pull list, that lengthy pull list. So now, Mike, all we got to do, can you tell us about some websites? Yourpopfilter.com is where all the things we make live. And now I'm singing slash Amazon is where you can shop and it helps us out. Patreon.com slash your pop filter. Uh, get extra tent for just a little kashish and it really actually directly helps us out. And rate this podcast.com slash superhero. Rate it and do it. And it, it's awesome. Uh, <laughs> all, those, all of those websites. Do you have a problem with that, Ryan? Uh, I would say everybody email us and tweet us about how awful that was. Otherwise, Mike is going to do every podcast in that same rhythm for <laughs> the rest of our lives. Maybe. Do you maybe ever uh, realize that. you drank so much, but you don't want to slur? So I guess you just, just talk very staccato. <laughs> Start clapping like, out every syllable. You pretend you're on Beastie Boys Unplugged, and that's how you <laughs> sing the song. Okay. Mike, actually... We'll give Ryan a chance. Ryan, can you tell us about the other shows? The other show that we have right now are, of course, Movie of the Year, where me and Mike and some non-Cassie compete to see who knows the most about what is the single greatest movie of any given year. If that is not enough, Cassie, and you need more, and that show has too much me and Mike, Subscribe, rate, review, and download Unnatural 20s, where Cassie and her two non-Mike and Ryans go through life in their 20s. Mm-hmm. That is the only way I refer to them as my non-Mike Mike and Ryans, so the proper Wait, way. hold on. Is McKenna non-Mike or non-Ryan? And which one is She's, Caitlin? She is non-Mike. Caitlin is non-Ryan. Ha. I don't like Obviously. that. <laughs> I think I do. Obviously. We all knew that. Mike, can you tell us about social media? Uh, at your pop filter on Twitter, on Instagram. And the end. The end. That's it. We also got an email. It's contact at your pop filter. Do email us everything you think about the show, every single thing. Make a detailed list. Only the things you oh, like, though, please. Don't have a single thought without putting it in an email and sending it to us. <laughs> don't you? God forbid dare. we didn't read that single thought. And we will. We will read them, you guys. So next week, we got a big episode. We are giving away the Shushi for Best Supporting Actress. Also, we are going to talk about the back half of Smallville and the season <gasps> premiere of Lucifer. It's going to be exciting. That is Big a show! Show, though. Big show. Good show. This was a good show. That was a big show. I have been Cassie. This has been Mike. And that's Ryan. Bye, everyone. Bye.